When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, if you watched or listened to last week's podcast, you know that we have a special guest with us, and that is Moto Man uh, for Moto Man TV. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for being here for one more episode. Uh, last time we did this, it was very popular, so we thought, why not have you back? Well, thanks for having me. I always enjoy coming and visiting you guys. Yeah, I love the fact that uh, you're here from California, and the reason you're here is because of what's on the screen. If you can't see this, it's because, of course, you're listening to it, but it's the new Mercedes-Benz. EQS SUV F me. <laughs> Not to be confused with the Mercedes Benz EQS sedan. Yes. Or the Mercedes AMG EQS AMG. Yes. Also known as the Mercedes AMG EQS 53 AMG in other parts of the world. Yeah. Yeah, and there, there we have a little bit of what's going to be the topic of this of, yeah. of this podcast. Uh, so we're going to be talking about obviously uh, Mercedes and the Germans going electric. We're going to be talking about an epiphany I had. You want to hear my epiphany? I'm very excited to hear your epiphany. All right, let me tell you my epiphany. I had I woke up jet lagged the other night at three in the morning, like stood up in bed basically, and I said, "Oh my God, all electric cars drive the same." For the most part, I agree with you. Yeah, let me explain what I mean by that, right? So, so first time you drive an electric car, you're obviously like floored, literally, by the acceleration because instant torque just you know mm. slams you back. Unless it's a Volkswagen ID. Four. Okay. Well, yes, yes. <laughs> there is instant torque, and then there's instant but not so rapid torque. Uh, but they all basically have that same acceleration curve with varying degrees of acceleration. But mm. you, you see what I'm saying? It, it's all instant. And then they all basically do the same thing, which is one pedal. Germans mm-hmm. call it recuperation. We call it regeneration. Uh, and that also starts to feel the same. So in a traditional internal combustion engine car, what you would get is you would get different power curves. Mm. A supercharger is a different power curve than a turbocharger than a normally aspirated car. Uh, you would also have different sort of braking, right, because the brakes are very different from a performance car to a truck to just like a Camry. Uh, but with electric cars, it, they all basically feel the same. Now, uh, I, I, there is an exception to that. There's three vehicles. I was going to say there's exceptions. I have exceptions, and I think you have exceptions. And you just drove two of them. So the one exception that I think is different. I think I drove one of them. Uh, I drove two, but two, two, one's an two exception. Two on my list. Okay. Two on my list. So, you know. and, and what I mean by this is, like, you know, we're we'll talking about the EQS SUV, I think that pretty much drives very similarly to the Ionic 5, which drives very similarly to the Mach-E, to the ID4, right? Oh, I would disagree. I think the Ionic 5 and the EQS sedan and this, they're in one bucket. 
the Mach-E, the EV6, and those are in a completely different bucket. Fair enough. For, but for, I'm going to even simplify it. For me, there's three cars that actually have personality. When yes. It comes, and that is the Porsche Taycan or Taycan? Taycan, fully Ty- agree. Yeah, because uh, I think Porsche spent a lot of time making sure that it drives like a sports car. Well, they took 60 years of driving dynamics engineering, and they put it underneath the fenders of an electric car. So it's a Porsche first, and then EV propulsion second. I think that was very elegantly stated. Well, I am from originally from the greatest city in the world. <laughs> All right. I disagree with that statement. Uh, we have a little New York-Chicago thing going, yeah. but, um, you know. Them and their quiche. You and your, uh, I'm going to call it cracker pizza. <laughs> so uh, the other car, and it's not a car that I think drives differently, and you just drove both of these, is the Lightning and the Hummer EV. The Lightning, because they took a traditional Ford F-150 mm-hmm. and they gave it uh, independent suspension and electrification. And the other thing that, that electric cars all do is they're all very heavy, right? The batteries are heavy. so and they actually, you feel that heft. You feel that. Especially so, in this case. Yeah, so, so the car goes down the road in a straight line very well. It's when mm. you start going around a corner that things get a little ugly. Mm. And then, of course, there's the bat crazy one, which is the Hummer EV, and that, that is completely off the hook in terms of the way it drives, just because it's, um, and, and you, you just drove it and you didn't like it. So I had back-to-back experience yeah. here, which yeah, was, talk, which was unusual. This, yeah. So these guys are truck guys. I am not a truck guy, so I, these guys kind of introduced me to this stuff. I was very excited to drive the GMC EV because of uh, Phil, Phil Zach, who was a good friend of mine. He ran the team that designed that vehicle. And you hear the story from General Motors, and it's a really unique story how the thing came together. But then you drive it, and my first reaction, and just so what the audience needs to know is I drove that first before I drove the Ford. You drive it, and it feels disjointed. When I really laid the power on, there was torque steer from an all-wheel drive vehicle that wasn't designed to be a front-wheel drive vehicle. I've never experienced that before. That tells me something is not right in Camelot there. Then we came after we, of course, played the game of the, uh, the crab walk. Yes. We, we, we put the car away, and then you truck. kindly offered me seat time in a work truck. Yes. F light, uh, no, no, the Pro, F50, the Lightning, Lightning Pro. The yeah. Pro, yeah, the one that's $45,000. We've talked about in other episodes. Yeah. I have a, while I'm not a Ford guy, I have a huge amount of respect for Ford for their Ford, the way they run their business. And the fact that they're going to put out a $40,000 pickup truck that's electric, think about the plumber that has five trucks. He buys those things it changes the deck for his business because he no longer pays for energy or his energy costs go way down. That's my mentality walking into that truck, that it's just going to be a work truck. This thing was a wonderful experience. This thing, it's one... It, there's nothing disjointed about it like the, uh, the Hummer EV was. The Hummer EV, now that I've driven both... It feels like a science experiment. You call it a toy. I don't think it's even a toy. A 911's a toy. This thing, pieces don't come together. The UX wasn't working when we were trying to put it, it was in, laggy. Crab, in crab mode. Very laggy. Where this uh, Pro, you're calling it, the Lightning Pro, it felt like it's carved from one billet of aluminum. Everything worked. And usually what happens when you take an ICE vehicle and then make it into EV, it's garbage. But this is, as you said, it was magic. Something magic happened. Yeah, I think I'm th- blown away. Yeah, I think they were um, kind of behind the eight ball when Rivian came out with their truck. And so they're developing a unique chassis, just like Chevy is with the Silverado for yeah. an electric truck. But basically, they took the F-150 and electrified it. And I think magic happened because mainly they went to independent suspension. They got rid of the solid axle. And so uh, they have a very heavy truck with independent suspension that just goes really well down the road. And then they've got like, you know, 
this lifetime of experience building the F-150, which is the best-selling vehicle in America. So they've already got a really solid platform. And then by electrifying it, I think they actually made it better. So this is one of these cases where At the least weight, from a driving perspective. Yeah, I get it. This is one of these cases where the weight works to its advantage. Mm-hmm. That's not expected to go around corners. It's not expected to deliver a luxury ride, although it does feel – it feels – composed, which is a big function of the riding, the driving dynamics of a luxury vehicle. This, on the other hand, the weight works up to a point where it gives it a luxury so car feel. To the, EQS to the EQS SUV. for those that aren't seeing us. Uh, this is a luxury SUV first, and then EV propulsion system second. So in kind of my version of your list of the cars that have a personality, I would argue, I would totally agree on the Porsche Taycan. It's a Porsche first, and then EV second. Second, I'm going to give you kind of the black sheep here, BMW i4, and not the M50, the E40, the two-wheel drive. That's the better car, and I'll tell you why, because it's the first EV ever in my life that you can steer with your right foot it's also the first ev that yeah it's got a heavy battery it is much more it's much heavier than the uh the grand coupe on which it's based but it's not heavy to the point like the mercedes like the tycon where if i try to push a porsche tycon very aggressively it does not steer it 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 is the very definition of understeer same with this vehicle meaning the eqs suv the the i4 doesn't do that and then i would say the eqs has its own unique personality because it's a luxury car first and then an EV propulsion system so Have second. you driven the iX? iX is very good. Would you compare? In I terms would say of the iX is, a, again, like the Lightning to the... BMW iX, I'm just uh, clarifying. Like the Lightning to the Hummer EV, yeah. it's that stark of a difference. It's not that this is bad. The, um, the, the Hummer was, I felt... Not composed. There's something wrong with it. With this, it feels composed, but the iX is so much better. So let, let me defend the Hummer for a second. Okay, uh, go I, ahead, defend the Hummer. Um, I'm not saying it's terrible. I think it's a cool thing. No, I love no, it. But I, I love I, it, but hate it at the same time. I would say that 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 you know you're there's two criticisms that you're making, and and one is probably uh, you know on par where you're saying it's not doesn't feel as well put together as a Lightning. I think uh, that may be also because it's got these like old school T-tops, right? Uh, as opposed to the Oh, I being... felt like I was Burt Reynolds, man. <laughs> Modern reinterpretation so, of Burt Reynolds. I'm just giving you, I'm, I'm going to Can we it. go out there before you hand it back? Can we, can we paint a, a screaming chicken on it the Wouldn't hood? that be hilarious? That, that would be, be the best. That would be badass, yeah. That would be badass. Uh, and the other thing I think that, that, that you're experiencing, which I have experienced a lot because I do this a lot, is you're experiencing the difference between an on-roader and an off-roader. So the, the Hummer is, is probably, when GM, at least the chief engineer told me, when mm. he was assigned to design and... That was Al Oppenheimer. Yes, yes. Great he guy. Was, yeah, he was given the task of building not the best electric EV, but the best, not the best electric EV, best electric... Uh, spit it out, Roman. Come Sorry. on, spit it out. Sorry. Not the best electric off-roader, yeah. but the best off-roader. He had two margaritas at lunch. <laughs> period. <laughs> uh, and so you've got a vehicle that's very high with big knobby tires with a lot of suspension. Uh, and basically it's designed to be a dedicated off-roader. And when you take it on the road, and it could be this vehicle or it could be uh, the Raptor R, which is you know the tall Raptor mm-hmm. or the Raptor 37, they all drive like this because they, they become very wallowy. They become very kind of – kind of they don't, they don't the go wa- down the road straight, right? Because I they're, get they're, the wallowy part. Right. It's the torque steer part. Get you, don't feel, you don't get that in an ICE off-roader. Well, well you, also, you also don't have 1,000 horsepower. 
you know? That's a point, but I still think there's something about the software isn't synced properly between I, the front it, and the it, back. It might be. I don't, I, I, you know, I don't know if... I don't know what the split is. I don't know if it's mm. 50-50, 20-80, whatever it is. Uh, but there's just so much. And, and you didn't feel it in uh, the Lightning you drove, yeah. which has less horsepower than the Lightning. So we borrowed a Lightning. We have the Lariat, but it does a very similar thing. So you will get torque steer, and you will actually, if you floor it, the front wheels will start to. I'll have to try, to try your Lariat before it yeah, leaves, as different. well as your 944 Turbo. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have a nine. Oh, oh, the old nine forty four. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's dug in. I got a lot to get through before I go you, back you to LA. Of, you have a lot of cars. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, let's talk about Mercedes. Yes. So we were just on a Mercedes program uh, driving this, and Mercedes now has done this interesting thing where they have. And I think the best car that exemplifies that in some ways is the GLE, uh, GLB, and the EQB. Yes. So EQ in Mercedes speaks means it's electrified. Fully electric. And GL in Mercedes speaks means it's it's a it's a it's a crossover, it's a crossover. right? Which, so it's very confusing. Well, if you think once you once you understand the nomenclature, then it just falls in line with C, E, and S. So GLC, GLE, yes, GLS. Exactly right. That denotes the size and whether it's a crossover. So that car uh, they took and they electrified it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, I'm not sure they made it better. The EQB. Yeah. So in many ways... The B class. In many ways, it is the same, but in one big way, it's better. Okay. So uh, I drove it in Germany. Yes. Both on the uh, proved grounds and well as, as well as around Immendingen. And I like the GLB. I'm one of the few people that is not a practical human being. I actually have really liked the GLB because of its size. GLB, yeah, the, uh, GLB. I'm just the, comparing. The GLB is my favorite. I would say it's one of my favorite cars in the entire Mercedes-Benz lineup because it's got this right size, like you said. It's the size. It's the, it's the perfect size. It's tall, so it's yep. it's got a lot of room for big people. It also comes in a three-row. Yep. That third row is kind of comically small. I mean, small. It's, for, it's for a baby, it, uh, you know, for puppies, basically. But still, it's there, so if you have yeah. kiddos and you have to put them there in an yeah. emergency. So I love that vehicle. It is built on the GLA platform. I do not think the GLA is, A, attractive, or, B, very good to drive. So this one solves a couple of those foibles because it's, A, a small vehicle, but something about the packaging in this one makes it a little bit more composed, but most importantly, it looks better. The design, the EQB and the uh, GLB, the squared boxy look, that's much more interesting to me. The only thing I don't like about that vehicle, and it gets this from the GLA, it's got a buzzy sounding engine. It's got a very rough engine. It doesn't feel like a luxury vehicle. You know, they start about 40,000 US. You can easily get them to 5560, and the way it delivers power is not a $50,000 experience. That's what the EQB fixes. You get all the benefit of the right sizing. You get all of the benefit of the squarish design. You get all of the packaging ingenuity that they put in that car. Like, for example, the second row seat actually can move forward and backward to allow for more space in the third row. You get all of that, and then it takes away the buzzy, crappy engine. That's what I like about the EQB. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% with you, but here's where it falls down for me in Colorado. All right, It only has 200 miles of range. Yeah, terrible. And, and in the winter... That's, that's going to be that's 150 probably yeah. or less and and I think once you get below 200 
you get into range anxiety. And once you get below 150, you get into like city car world, mm -hmm. right? And so that's where I feel like they should have at least put 250 miles of range. So as a vehicle, it's good. And I agree with you, everything you said about electrification, but the problem is the range. It's just, it's just not acceptable so today to have a car with only 200 miles of range to, and, and be competitive. So this is us bringing our conversation full circle. It's the flip side of that lightning we just drove. The lightning is, uh, both of them are an ICE platform that's been reinterpreted for EV. The lightning, magic, the EQB, it's kind of cobbled together. I also think that, like, even, like, we have a Mini SC, which is electric Mini, right? That love only, the way that drives. Yeah, it's incredible. It's actually, that's, Super fun. Yeah, that's that actually one, a different let's one. add it to our list. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely, that I forgot about that one. That has a personality. Super fun. It actually, I think, is the best Mini you can buy now. I would agree. Uh, but only 114 miles of range. Terrible. And I think it comes from a European background where cities are much closer. Yeah, you would own that living in Amsterdam and London. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or even, let's say, Munich, right? You could live with it in oh, Munich. Oh, absolutely. But here in Colorado, where if you want to go to, I don't know, the ski areas, you're going to burn through the entire battery just going to Vail. I would be shocked. Yeah, I was about to say you couldn't make it to Vail and back. No, no, you yeah, couldn't make it to Vail and back. You could make it there. You could barely make it up the hill. You could, you could make it up the hill. <laughs> And you could make it down, and then you run out because down you're not using any power. We should have the Pazos challenge. Anybody that can make one of those, make it up there on one charge to Pazos Pizza in Vale Village, we buy them Pazos Pizza. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, have a little bit of fun with it. Exactly, um, but only on the locals' discount. All right, there you have it, guys. <laughs> uh, so, so that's my biggest issue with it. But uh, as a car, I think it's great. It's just it, it just doesn't have enough. So, are there any other EVs? That have a personality. We got the i4. You think the iX. The we both agree on the Taycan. Uh, I think the EQS from a luxury. Oh, the Ionic Five. Yes. The Ionic Five does the same trick as the EQS, but not to the level of the EQS. I think the EQS. Excuse me. The Ionic Five is the best EV on the market, full stop, bar none, because of its price, its design, its packaging. And the way it drives, it drives like a luxury car first, not like an uber luxury car like an EQS. To me, it is tuned like a Lexus. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all that. Uh, once again, the issue is it drives the same as an EV6. It drives the same as no, an No, an EV6 drives like an Audi. Eh, I don't it think It has so. stiffer think, dampers. Yeah. Yeah, okay, now, now your butt is more attuned to... <laughs> <laughs> the, the road conditions of mine. That's but, probably spending but, too much time in the, in the seat of a Lotus. <laughs> yes, but the driving experience for me is identical because they same, share the same battery, the same chassis. I would say the Genesis falls into that same thing. So the Genesis is obviously much more uh, luxurious, right? Much more froofy in some okay, ways. Okay, so the Genesis, uh, this is where I think it's one of the rare missteps from the Hyundai you don't like You don't like that little uh, like ball that turns uh, around and turns into a... The GV60A is not attractive. Yeah. B, it's the worst execution of what Hyundai and Kia have been very good at. They do badge engineering just like GM did back in the 80s, but you can't tell it's the same car. You look at an EV6 and you look at an ionic 5, like you and I could, but most people can't. The GV60 looks like a gussied-up Ionic 5, which is to mean not good. The Ionic 5 is such a beautiful design, they ruined it with the GV60, and then they made it more disco on the inside with all the, like, the globe that moves over, and then they've added all of like this glossy kind of trim on the inside, but it's still effectively the same design as the Ionic 5, so it has two problems that it's facing. Number one, 
it's not really a good-looking car. And number two, the Ionic 5 is so much more attractive, and it's still good enough to be a luxury car, and it's less money. Why would you buy the GV60? So I, I got an interesting thing I can add to this You don't agree with me, do you? No, no, no. I don't, I, I, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> That's Roman's way of saying, let's no, move on to the next topic. No, no, no. We're not moving on. I don't disagree with you. So I had a chance. I got to go to Korea, and I had a chance to talk with— I was the, jealous. I wanted to go and see that Ionic 6. I was a little jealous of you. And you got to see that. What was that race car thing? Oh, the uh, uh, Project N74. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was badass. I was cursing your name that week. That, yeah, that was badass. Uh, so th- here's a funny sideline. There were like 20 journalists that went. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tested, uh, this was during the bad old days of COVID, and we tested the antigen test here to make sure we could go. Yeah. And then we got there to give us a PCR test. Yeah. And three journalists tested positive. And like, they were stuck there for two weeks? They, no, they were stuck there for a week in their hotel room. Oh. Like they could knock it out of their hotel room. One of the Aussies was like, hey, they, the Koreans were so worried about COVID that they would not bring him new towels. So he had to steal towels off of a cart and give it to his buddy who was stuck in the hotel room. And then I was like, wow, that's got to suck to be in a hotel room for a week, right? Watching Korean TV. And the Korean host said, you know what? It actually could be worse because in Korea, you have to go to one of those special... Special quarantine jail hotels. Hotels, yeah. And so because they were Hyundai, they managed to keep them in the regular hotel without having to go into the quarantine hotel. Did you have to wear a mask the entire Everywhere. flight over? All, yeah, the entire flight. That is, your ears just fall off afterwards because of those little things, right? The so you had 12 hours. 14, I think it was, yeah. Would you go LA to, to, to Seoul? Seoul, yeah. Maybe it's 12. And I got to get this. I got to fly on the top portion of a 747. That was way cool. Oh, so you flew Korean Air. Yeah. 7478. Yeah. The only ones left that fly 7478s, Lufthansa, Air China, and Korean Air. It was so cool. Great plane. And, and the coolest thing about it was there was like a little wall you could put up between you and the guy yeah. next to you. And this guy next to me was a Korean dude who took his shoes off right away, and he had these furry toes, and he was putting his feet everywhere. And I was looking at this, and I was like, I cannot put up with 12 hours of this. And so I hit the little wall button, and, I, and he disappeared, and my world was good. So let's, uh, let's, okay, let's pause here for a minute because okay. we need to take stock. All right. What they don't know is we've shot these two episodes in one afternoon. Uh-huh. And in one afternoon, we've discussed furry toes and hamster farts. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take hamster farts over furry toes all day, day long. Any, any day. day. Yeah, furry toes are, are like, you know, yeah. especially when like the guys walk into the bathroom. Why do people do that? Why would you not wear your shoes oh, walking that. into a bathroom I, on a plane? I'm not it, a it, chance. Yeah, I know. Would Gosh. you do that at home? No. No. No, so, you know what this so, is? Would this you have is... carpet? It's like having carpeting on the toilet. We, no, God, no, 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 no. This is your penance for cheating against the Star Alliance. <laughs> that's that's what you get. You needed to fly. Oh. You needed to fly Lufthansa, and you wouldn't have free <laughs> I didn't toes. Get, I didn't get the pick. You know, they they pick. Uh, but the crazy thing is, they're partnered with Delta. As I'm sure you I know. know. Oh, and oh well. And I made silver status by one, that one flight. Golf clap. I got a Golf. little like packet, like "Welcome to Delta yeah. Silver." And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you live in a fortress hub for United. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. If I want to fly anywhere on Delta, I have to go through Salt Lake. Yeah. <laughs> I'll t- can I tell you another Salt Lake uh, story? Please tell me. So I had uh, bad sciatica, right, from running. Yeah. And uh, we went to shoot and review the Lyric, which was in Salt Lake City. Yes, it was. Up in the mountains. So I'm Deer com- Valley. Yeah, I'm coming back, and Salt Lake had this cute little airport, right? Remember, it was this like old, oh, but it was... Oh, my God, that airport... And they built Horrible. The, they built this incredibly giant airport, kind of like DIA, but worse in some ways. Oh, this airport! It takes literally five years to get from the check-in yeah, yeah. to the gate. Yeah. So, so I, 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 you know, I go through TSA, and then 
the thing is basically two giant terminals. But unlike it's all Delta on the, the close one, right? The close ones are Delta. United's at the, at the other end of the of the of the U. But unlike United, they didn't put a tunnel between them in the middle. They put the tunnel at the end. So oh yeah, it's a, it's a giant U basically, and you have to walk the entire. And there's U. no train. There's no train. You have to walk yes, the same. Exactly. So basically, the United gates are in Ogden. Yes. Where the tax collector yeah. gets all your money. Yes. Yes. And so I, I'm walking with sciatica with my, you know, 50-pound backpack of camera gear. Just Horrible. Just swearing the whole way. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's also there, that front part is like downhill, but there's an uphill. It's not even flat, right? It's weird. Yeah. And they don't have the moving sidewalks. And the, the ones that they did have in that tunnel were down. Uh, so I was, I was like grumpy and salty by the time I got to the gate and I sit down there's this guy next to me and I start like bitching and moaning about this airport I'm like this has got to be one of the worst airports it's terrible you know whoever designed this thing should be shot um and he's like he's like it's not that bad and I'm like oh yeah I fly a lot this is horrible you know and he goes well we're building a train uh that will connect the two terminals and I go how do you know that and he goes I'm the architect who designed it Oh, and did your response? What was it? Well, did you work for Delta? <laughs> no, I, I was. I think I turned beet red. That's so funny. <laughs> and I'm like, I think you're flying. Are you pissed in that guy's Wheaties that day? <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was flying to Chicago to some airport architect convention. I oh felt my so God. horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Making friends and influencing people everywhere you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I forgot what this point of the story was. Now I'm completely like gone. Somehow on we this got tangent. onto the topic of oh, we were talking about planes because of Korea, and you got to fly to seven four seven eight and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, next time fly the Lufthansa seven four seven eight. Do yourself a favor. Okay. Well, go, it was it, cool. It goes was, to Frankfurt. I, I, and there are many seven forty sevens flying. Not here. anymore, right. but. The 7478 is even more special because it was the last version of the 747. It has a longer airframe. It has the same engines as the 787. It's got the composite wing, so it's quieter. And it's just a newer plane. Like, the oldest one is, like, eight years old. Oh. Where you can still fly a 747 with BA, but they're, like, 85 years old. I just flew the Dreamliner uh, to the U.K. 787. Yeah. That yeah. was nice. It's an overgrown 737. I'm not a huge fan. No? They I like it better than A350. They, what's happening? We'll stay on this tangent. Welcome to Air Talk. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you have a pilot on your podcast? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What Welcome to TFL Air Talk. Hey, why do they get rid of first class? First class is gone now. Because the product is so similar. Okay. Because well, as they started to make business class, and actually it was be- it was British Airways the first one that did the flat beds. Yes. Um, once they started making them into flatbeds, there was no differentiation between the products. So they're like, well, this real estate is at a premium on an airplane. So if I'm going to sell $12,000 seats and I'm going to sell $8,000 seats, I'm going to sell more of the $8,000 seats. Mm. So why don't I make that real estate into the $8,000 seats? Makes sense. There's a couple of holdouts. Singapore Air is one of them. American was a holdout. They've taken it away now. On all their planes in the next three years, they're going to start doing nothing but their business class. Yeah, that makes absolutely international sense. planes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Internationally, this is applies to wide body planes and the A three twenty ones that go L A or JFK to L A. Okay, all right. Well, let's let's get off, back to cars. Let's get off of air talk and get yeah. back to cars. Actually, you know what? Comments below. Do you guys want to see me and Roman or just me talk about, geek out about this kind of stuff? Let us know in the comments below. Well, well we were talking about uh, the three Hyundai cars that are... Yes, the Ionic 6, Ionic 5. That, that are, in my mind, very similar, and you don't like the Genesis version. No. Uh, and I, I, don't get me wrong. Everyone knows I love Genesis. Yeah, but especially that's, the GD70 is a, is a beautiful car. One of the best driving yeah. cars on the planet. I think the G80 is a, is a mid-sized luxury car bargain. 
I haven't driven the G90, the new G90 yet. Yeah, Genesis is once again up and coming, and they're doing a great job. They are killing it. Saying so, yip so, is amazing. So I'll tell you what I was going for here. You said that um, you said that um, they they design cars that. No, you were talking about the design philosophy, and I, I was going to say that I got to interview the architect who designed those cars. Not the, the architect, architect the was designer. The, guy, the, the guy that worked yeah. for Delta got the at design, Salt Lake, the designer who, car designer. Yeah, yeah. so, so he, he, he said something interesting. He said most com- car companies, especially the Germans, have this nesting doll, right, the Matushka dolls. Oh, yeah, the Russian nesting dolls, which this is. Yeah, Horrible. right, right. So it's, they're very similar. They're yep. just like bigger or smaller versions with the same grill. And he said that Hyundai has this interesting strategy, design strategy, which is that of a chess game. Mm-hmm. Right, so when you think about it, the chess game—you've got the queen, you've got the king, you've got the knight, you've got the pawns. The top part of the chess piece is very different, but the bottom part, right, basically the base is very yeah. similar. So that's what they're going for. So the bases are very similar, but like one can be a king, one can be a knight, one can be a uh, a pawn, and they look very different from each other. And I they f- do. I firmly believe if we were to fast forward ten years and look back, the clear winner will be the chess piece analogy. I think you're right. The yeah. Russian nesting doll thing. I, it is unimaginative, and frankly, uh, it alienates your buyers at the top end. Yeah, it's going to bring more people into the C-Class, but the guy who's going to spend $150,000 on this, they're going to be like, well, for thirty grand more, I can have a Bentley. Yeah, and I think you can see that already. Well, so the other thing that Mercedes is doing is they're chasing aero, right, because these are electric cars, mm-hmm. so they want range, and I respect that. And uh, I think in this car, they're saying it's got like a 0.25 coefficient of drag or 0.26, which is pretty incredible. Mm. You know, that's, that's unheard of. But the problem is if you chase Arrow, it all looks like, an, it all looks like a raindrop at the end of the day, right? Or they a bar of soap. They call it the one-bow design. And from a scientific point of view, yes. And actually, the, the coefficient of drag is much lower on the EQS sedan. It's crazy. It's like 2-1. Okay. Like un, literally unheard of. Um, EQXX is even better. It's like yeah, one nine. It's yeah. beyond. It's like off the charts. Anyway, you look at this. And did you get so, to drive that? E- yeah, I did. Oh, what was that like? So that, the EQXX is this like hyper. It's uh, a test bed. It's a it, test bed of technology to come for 2025. Yeah, and so they're trying to see how much range they can get out yeah. of an electric car. And what's interesting about that? It's not really about the propulsion system. It's more about how big does the battery really need to be. And how much does the car really need to weigh? So what they've done is it's kind of like the Lotus analogy of take everything out that you need before the car falls in on itself, and that's all you need. So less is more. And that's what the EQXX is. And it works incredibly well because it's a combination of it doesn't have a big battery, and it's a lighter vehicle. And as a result, the combination of lowering the weight, you don't need as much battery, so it doesn't need to be what these cars are, meaning a jelly bean. I want to say it's got like uh, a thousand kilometers of range on a single charge. So they, uh, their target was a thousand kilometers, yeah. 620 miles. Yeah. Um, and what they've ended up doing is testing it. They drove it from Germany to the south of France, and they were able, they were able to get a thousand eighty kilometers. Wow. They exceeded their target, and it wasn't one of these things where the guys were sweating bull- sweating bullets in the car. They had the air conditioning running. It was sitting in traffic. It was a a real world experience, and they were still able to get over a thousand kilometers of range. Now, I think I watched your video. And I think I watched Tommy's video, uh, but you guys missed a point, and that is, it has like a little a gauge that tells you the wind direction. 
Well, I didn't see that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see yeah. that. I, I think that we was Robbie's. Very limited. I watched Robbie's video, and he had that, and it was pretty cool. I'm like, yeah. that's pretty cool to have a gauge that tells you the wind direction. So when you're, you're hypermiling. Kind of de- and it kind yeah. of details that you're getting on that car. Yeah. But I was, th- I think that's the next frontier for electric vehicles. This vehicle has, I'm guessing, a 1,500-pound battery. I'm guessing. Yeah. The EQXX, the battery's 1,000 pounds. Yeah, so it's already a third. And the other cut cool, out. cool thing about that car is the battery's not climate controlled. It's it's it's, 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 it's there's air that goes around. Right, it. but not like but internally. Not yeah. There's no HVAC system like right. this. Right, like thing this one has. has an HVAC on the battery. Again, it's it's an exercise of simplicity. And frankly, I think if we were to look at a theme here of what the Germans, not just Mercedes, but the Germans in general, they're adding complexity for the sake of complexity, and the EQXX is incredible restraint. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to show some progress in the materials of construction, how simple you can make the car before we start to have a huge jump in energy when they start moving away from these lithium-ion batteries to the next level, which could be solid state. The minute you start putting a solid state battery, again, it's a big if, because right now it isn't sorted. But if you were to put a solid-state battery in this thing, it becomes lighter than an ICE car. Then it changes the deck. Maybe. No. Yeah. Solid, well, if, I, if I were so to go in my I bag did, right now so, so and a, take a magnetic drive and a solid-state drive. Right, right. I get that. But there's a, there's a um, Colorado company. I just did a podcast. So check it out at maybe two months ago, three months ago, with a Colorado company that's partnered with a bunch of manufacturers. And one of those is um, BMW. And they're working on the next... Colorado, or two, they're based in Michigan, no, the, one, the one that BMW's invested no, in. No, it's here. It's here. I, I did the interview with the CEO, uh, and they're doing, they're doing solid-state batteries with the caveat that the ones that they're developing can be built on the current assembly lines that they develop the current batteries on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I said, what are the benefits? And there's, in, at least in, in their technology, there's only one benefit, mm-hmm. and that is uh, they're much less likely or almost impossible to have any kind of a thermal runaway event where mm-hmm. they won't like spontaneously, you know, catch fire and like happened this week in in uh, Pebble Beach with the the Tesla batteries. Yes, they yeah. won't do that. But they're 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 just as heavy. You know, they have the same amount of energy density. Uh, but that's because like I think that's because they can be built, like I said, in the same mm. manufacturing process that the current batteries are built. So maybe if you jump, so maybe it's a like 1.5 versus a 2.0. Mm. Uh, but that's still a big thing, right? To mm. have a, a vehicle where you're not afraid of starting the forest on fire and yourself on fire. I think you and I need to spend some more time researching this out because I've spent a lot of time. Remember Christoph? Yeah. Who runs all of EV? He and I have spent a lot of time discussing but that's the benefits their, that's, of, of uh, solid state. Yeah, yeah, and one I, of them I get was that solid state drive. Yeah, but that because uh, th- I asked him this, I said, "Well, does it have like more cycles, right? So it lasts longer. Does yeah. it? Is it lighter? Does it have more energy density?" He said, "No, our batteries are pretty much similar to the current ones, except they won't mm. have a runaway event, which yeah. is cool. Which I think is cool. So whichever direction it is, yeah, because I still I think we should put a pin in this part of the discussion. Right. Come back to it. Whichever direction it is, the companies like Mercedes." BMW, guys like this, they're not, they're not like the government and saying, we're only going one direction. My mind is already made up. Don't no. bother me with the facts. No. Instead, companies like Mercedes and BMW are literally placing bets on everything. Yeah, and BMW is also working on hydrogen, which is great. You know? Which I think is a good solution for over-the-road trucks. Yeah. Oh. So you weren't there yeah. because you wouldn't get up early in the morning. Okay, yeah, let's talk about yeah. this. So you, got, you had a chance. Now, for German companies, if you're... 
car companies and maybe others, I don't know, if you're a member of the board, member of the board, then you're responsible for a certain segment of the company. Yes. Uh, and you make important decisions. Here, board members tend to be people who are called in and are kind of like uh, advisors. Know, advisors. Advisors. Yeah. Advisors. The Bob Lutz comes in and says, "That's that. Yeah. That's not." But in Germany, they're not. They're actually like. Uh, Car, They're day-to-day operations. Car-carrying day-to-day yeah. operations people. So who did you get to talk to? Uh, not just the member of the board, but the man who is the CEO of the company, Ola. Yep, I, I don't want to butcher his last name, but it's like Clunius or Clunius. He's Swedish. Yes. And I learned a lot of things from this discussion. Yeah, so it was what, a roundtable discussion. There was a bunch of us on the drive that ha- had the opportunity to ask questions. And this was at like zero dark 30 because he was, he was zooming in from uh, Stuttgart. Anyway, uh, I had never... Uh, really spent time with him, if you could consider this spending time with him. But the big impression I came away with, this man is smooth. Like, smart? Oh, crazy smart. Okay, smart and but smooth. smooth. Okay. The thing you get first is this guy is smooth. Yeah. And not in like a devious way. He, can, he listens to your question, and he gives you a very direct answer, but does it in a very efficient storytelling way. Okay. And then the other thing about this guy, I don't know if you've had this experience, you meet a, a, a genuine genius. And when you really have that experience, it's very rare, but when you meet a genuine genius, you look at them and you can see that they're 15 steps ahead of you. You can see that they're making the steps ahead of you. This guy was that. Yeah, I met one guy like that. He used to run McKinsey uh, Europe. Yeah. And he was like that. He was just, you could just see that he was like operating on a level above. Most of us. Yeah, well, you and I... Me, probably five levels above me. Ba- but. Back to the chess analogy, yeah. you and I are playing chess. This guy's playing 5D chess. Yeah, exactly. That's what this guy's yeah. doing. In any event, we asked all these questions, and he... There were some straightforward... I'm straightforward. There were some questions from journalists, and they were mainly surrounding the issue of the energy. Not the car itself, the issue of the energy. We're promised this to be green. Again, we talked about it in the previous episode. Great intentions, but the reality is it ain't green. And it ain't going to be green for a long time, no matter what governments say. And putting aside... We had this discussion in the previous episode, episode. so I'm not going to bore you with it. Go back and and watch that up. Exactly. But the reason why this guy was smooth is he was able to give you a very clear answer and separate it directly from the politics, which very few of these guys can. I can't do that. Yeah. Well, we did. I think we, we did a we good tried. attempt we last tried, yeah, week. Yeah. But this guy, he was able to say, "Look, like when someone asked him, I, I forgot exactly how the question was worded. It was, we see you putting this investment into EV technology. How do you balance that when there isn't really green supply of energy?" And his answer was very direct. He says, "You need to make a decision of whether you're going to go forward or not." And once that decision is made, everything else is keyed off this decision. You just need to move forward from the decision you have made. Granted, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, yeah. But in other words, here's a guy that doesn't second-guess himself. And so he's gone forward, and he says, we're going to place our bets on EV with a product portfolio, and here's something else. We know governments, excuse my French here, are bullshitting us. He didn't say that in so many words. But if you read the subtext, he knew the governments can't get to all EV by 2035. So what the guy has done is we're going to put in a wind farm in two parts of the world. They're going to have a solar array in Alabama and a wind farm in Europe. 
and they're going to create their own energy. So forget about the infrastructure. They're going to try to demonstrate. Are they going to try to power their factory with them? They're going to try to power their factory. That's what I figured, yeah. Now, here's the issue with that. You could do all this lovely stuff of getting solar array into your Alabama factory or wind into your uh, Sindelfingen plant, but the problem is where are you going to store that energy? You need batteries. That's the problem we had in California with the recent heat wave. We've got all this green way of collecting energy, but we have no place to store it for when we need it at night. So what this guy has done is he's telling me, and I'm a hamster big, farts. Hamster farts. <laughs> That's where he started. <laughs> I, I'm going to give you life advice, dating advice, and business advice in all one thing. I love it. Go for, for it. Yeah. It's you're telling me one thing. Yeah. But all I need to do is watch your actions. And so Ola is telling me that the governments are saying you got to move into EV, and this is what it is. And he's saying, fine, I'm going to buy solar arrays. I'm going to invest in different ba- battery technology startups. I'm going to do the wind farm in Europe. But guess what? I'm going to make this EQ, and I'm going to make my GLS until the market tells me otherwise. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Choice. Don't listen choice. to what they say. Watch what they do. Well, that's great. And it's to me, I think it's Mercedes and Toyota that are taking the safe road. Yeah, I Or agree. the right road, the proof so, road. Uh, so here's the other thing. I think there's been a lot of fear-mongering about, like, you know, they're going to take my Cummins out of my, you know, cold, cold dead, dead hands, hands yeah. right? Yeah. But, but it's not that easy or straightforward, right? There, there are companies, including major companies like Honda, that have no electric cars, really. Zero. Is well, it? They're, Nada. In a, they're, they're in a bigger problem. Right, I'm saying. Yeah. So, so yeah. it's 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 like the the fear mongering is that you know by 2035 I won't be able to buy. Actually, that's also another thing. So by 2035, the rule in California is that you will not be able to buy a pure, normally aspirated car, but you can buy a hybrid or a plug-in mm. hybrid or an EV. You're not getting rid of all internal combustion engines. Well, that's only recently changed, and that was a big thing because of Europe. The EU put this mandate before California. The EU's been like much farther, much far, farther, farther ahead on yeah. this. Yeah. So the EU said we're going to do um, uh, an EV only, green only, and that didn't include plug-in hybrids and hybrids. EV only, uh, starting in 2035. And then all this crap happened with the Ukraine, and then uh, Germany yeah. realized yeah. that, well, hold on a minute, we're not going to be able to power our homes in the winter. So Germany backed out of it and said, we're not supporting this anymore. Well, guess what? What the Bundesbank says is what Europe does, because the Bundesbank supports Europe. So the EU came to Germany and said, we've got to come up with a solution here. So they said, you've got to change your mandate, and they ultimately changed. They have blessed hybrids. Plug-in hybrids and synthetic oil, synthetic fuel vehicles are now green, and that's you're going to see that happen here in the U.S. Yeah, I think I think that's smart. The other thing I love choice. So do I. Yeah. So do I. And you remember we in our in our previous discussion, you asked me, "Am I am I a market guy?" And I'm going to prove it to you. Free market guy. Free market guy. We're, we were talking about whether. Uh, Motor man agrees or disagrees with market adjustments at dealerships. Exactly. Once again, go back and listen to it. So yeah, go back and look because we yeah. had a lot to say yeah. on that. Anyway, um, governments forcing the adoption of EV, making it ubiquitous by a certain date, is a fool's errand. And if there was, if we could hit it by certain dates like that, that is what the market could solve. If there was all this money to be made. And we could do it efficiently by 2035. Don't you think there would be more companies investing into it now of their own free will? 
you know, once again, now we're talking about a free market and a free market with um, vested interest where I think oil companies also put their finger on the scale and it's in their best interest for electric vehicles to die a quick and painful death, right? Uh, and so it's it's kind of like... It's kind if of, anything, the oil companies, they're, they're the ones that are the marked men. You've, right, got, you've got literally co- corporate governance boards now have to comply with ESG rulings, meaning they can't invest into oil companies. Let me give you an example, maybe an analogy, right? Okay, go ahead. With uh, Philip Morris, right? So I think the science was very clear that cigarettes cause cancer. Mm -hmm. Very, very clear. But Philip Morris spent decades, millions of dollars, you know, basically obfuscating that fact, Mm -hmm. right? And so you would think in a free market, if you would say... Here is a cigarette, you know, here's, here's a very mm-hmm. addictive thing that if you smoke it, will end your life prematurely mm-hmm. uh, and kill you. Mm-hmm. In a free market, you would think that most people are like, damn, I don't want that thing. Mm-hmm. But if you've got this other force in the market saying, well, the science is wrong or uh, we're not sure about it or, you know what I mean? Then all of a sudden you're already addicted to it. Then it becomes this thing where you're like, well, maybe I can keep smoking and be okay, right? And so I'm saying in a pure free market, if that were the case, if there were no other forces at stake, then yes, I think it would happen. But there's a lot of different people who have a stake in this and not just a little stake, but a huge stake, right? Right, where so I was, I was just in Prudhoe Bay, mm-hmm. right? Uh, with the, you know, we drove our lightning up to Prudhoe Bay. Um, and it's, you know, it's not a place you really want to visit. It's a destination. It's mm-hmm. a journey, not a destination, because it's a 30 by 40 mile long uh, oil field. Mm. And this was during the height of when gas prices were through the roof, right? When, when Saudi Arabia wasn't pumping gas, when uh, Putin wasn't pumping um, gas, natural gas. Uh, and uh, I was... Last time I was up there, there were like 10,000 people, and it was just this. And this was like maybe seven years ago. This time I went up there, there was nobody up there. There were maybe 1,500 people up there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I got to talk to like Hillcore people who run the oil field. Mm-hmm. Like, what's happening? And they said, we're pumping just enough oil uh, to keep the pipeline open. Right? So let's say you've got a you know, 100% capacity, they were mm. pumping like 15%. Mm. And I, I couldn't get my head around the fact with gas prices being the highest ever, mm. wouldn't, if you're an oil company, why wouldn't you be like maxing out that oil field because you can sell your commodity at its much higher price than you can if you don't pump it? So let me answer your question yeah, there. All right. Hostile energy policies. That's what they said, actually. That's, that's what they the said. They, they, that's what they said. They said they said the Biden policy is very Not just hostile. Biden, EU as well. It's very hostile to, to us right now, and so Biden more so than the EU. But yes, but both. that's exactly what they told yep. me because I asked them that question. I said, "Wouldn't you want to sell this stuff when it's you can't?" Well, it was like what 150 a barrel or something, or 200 a barrel. It was some huge, you know, number. It's uh, one of the biggest issues right now is you've got this. You got two governmental bodies saying. Fossil fuels are bad, fossil fuels are bad, and we've got to switch over, and there's no future in fossil fuels. But they didn't realize that there's going to be significant pain in doing that, and they put it on too fast of a timeline, and many people will disagree with this, but the reality is you put it on too fast of a timeline. And so if you're a company that has to put the CapEx into running refineries, are you really going to put that money in when the governments are just trying to put you out of business? No. And then all of a sudden... They start to feel the pain of their own policies, and they come back to you and they say, oh, you know what, can you start pumping some more oil in the short term? And you're like, you just told me to turn off my refineries. What the hell do you want out of me? So you're not going to go and make that investment when you know they're going to cut you out of business in four years. 
That's one of the problems that these people are facing now, on top of many others with their hostile energy policies. All right, let's go back to the cars. Okay. <laughs> We've gone far afield. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, so we, we got to drive um, the EQS SUV. Yes, sir. What do you think of it? Um, you took it on-road and off-road. I did. I did. So let's start with the on-road. Um, so it's the GLS electric version. GLS. Uh, GLS, yes. GLS. So the electric is, version of GLS. You know what's funny? Um, the, the question came up to uh, Ola, the CEO of the company. Are you planning on making a seven-seat version? This is technically seven seats, but the packaging, you, won't, you wouldn't think it's as big as the GLS I'm driving right now. There was, you know, they had, I think they only had one, and that was in the lobby of the hotel that had the third row. Uh, the one I had up had, had a, third a third row. row yeah. Okay, maybe I, I maybe, third maybe row. it was no. no, it was sorry. It was, Matter of fact, I had one in the third row at your ranch. No, no, That's it was it. it wasn't the it was the other one. It was the uh, B. The, the e- B. Yes, they, yeah. they, they they didn't have any with the third row. I yeah, think. yeah. But this one they had. You're right. Matter of fact, when I drove the EQB in Germany, they didn't have any with the third row either. Yeah, I thought that was so. funny. Um, anyway, so uh, let's start from the on-road experience. Remember, we said there are only a handful of these that have their own personality. To me, the EQS has its own personality because it's a luxury car first and then an EV. This is the same trick, and I'm pointing to the EQS SUV for the uh, audience that can't see us. This is exactly the same trick, but I would argue it's a better execution than the EQS sedan because of the extra weight. It feels like a better ride Wouldn't it be better if they called it like the Matterhorn? I would agree. The naming is terrible <laughs> I on this. I have an EQS, a sedan or an SUV. I, hey, tell your neighbor. It's stupid. Dude, I just bought a Matterhorn. It yeah. rocks. Kills your Escort. Let's go back to Kills your Escalade, sorry. Can we bring Eldorado back? And let's Hell yeah. bring good names again. Yeah. You know, yeah. Lyric, I, granted they have a name, but Lyric, really? Anyway, so that's on-road. The Germans will tell you something like the E stands for electrification. The Q, obviously that yeah. means future. The future of, and I'm like, obviously, really? Yeah. Q means future? Well, Germans, there's a method to their madness. I love Germans, <laughs> and that's why we get the things we do out of Germany. Oh, speaking of Germans, I forgot to, forgot the, the logic. So Ola got this question, are you going to make a seven-row version of this? Yeah. And he actually had an interesting response. He goes, most people uh, think that this, the GLS, the EQS SUV is smaller than a G- GLS. He says, when in reality, it's the same size. Mm. The packaging on the inside is, is the same size. I don't believe him. I think maybe dimensionally with the numbers, it might be the same. But in real-world application, I don't think you can put people in that third row. Yeah. So anyway, then we'll move over to the— At least oh, people with legs. People with legs, exactly. <laughs> I couldn't even put my dog back there. Anyway, um, the off-road— that, I thought, was an interesting experience, and I'll tell you why. Tell me why. Number one, the torque out of this thing is the one I had was 630 pounds of torque. Crazy. So that amount of torque at zero off-road was impressive. I've never had that experience, even from those wonderful diesel. And then number two, it's got 10 degrees of rear-wheel steering in a tight off-road course, which is what these guys designed out up halfway up the Vale. This thing was incredible. Did you go up on that course, or did you go to the ranch? Did you do both? I did both. Oh yeah, I, I was. I oh, was. I, I do. Excuse me. I got to do a little plug here. Yeah. So my episode on this vehicle was thankfully because of this man here shot at Tumbleweed Ranch. Yeah, sure. I said, go for it, dude. Yeah. Super. And, and funny, I shot this car here. He didn't. I didn't. No. <laughs> yeah, I figure we'll get it at some point. Yeah. So we'll take it there. Uh, but I was super impressed by Mercedes actually putting this thing in danger. Right, because and that, it was that, serious danger that, that off-road. Yeah, that, that was, was serious business. There, there were places where, like, if you got it wrong, you would hit a tree. 
Easily. Easily, yeah. And I asked the guy, I'm like, has anything gone wrong What'd he this say? week? He's like, no, been fine. Really? Yeah. And that guy, the guy, at least the guy I drove with, Andreas, great guy, turns out he is the one that runs the testing for all of these programs, this, the coming EQE, all that kind of stuff in Alabama. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. so I'll tell you my um, take on this thing off-road. For the first, let's just go over what it has off-road and what it doesn't have off-road, mm. right? Uh, so it has an off-road mode. It does. And it has air suspension. So it raises the air suspension about another inch, I think. So An it's inch. about 10, no, maybe it's nine, nine inches of total air, of total mm. ground clearance, which puts it in the same, just to give you guys context, it puts it in the same ballpark as like an Outback. Any Subaru is about nine inches of ground clearance. Mm. Uh, so that's good. What's not good is if you look at it, it doesn't have a good approach or departure angle. I learned that the hard way. Well, what happened? Ranch. I can't tell you. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to watch the episode. <laughs> yeah. Go to, go, if he puts it in there, if he doesn't edit it out. <laughs> just keep it in there. <laughs> oh, did you do the lava? Did you do lava? Did I tried. You? Okay. All right. All right. I can, I can imagine what happened. Yeah. So approach, departure, breakover aren't great. Uh, the other interesting thing is it doesn't. It's got open diffs basically, so two electric motors. So basically, your two wheel drive, right? So, but it does have you know an off road stability control suspension, mm. not suspension, uh, uh, software. So it tries to allocate power like mm. most vehicles to whatever wheel has traction. And they did, to be fair, put it on AT tires, which was cool. Seeing it on ATs was cool. Uh, my biggest complaint with it was not how capable it was. I just found that the throttle to be too abrupt. For off-roading. So for most, off-roading. Yeah, so most traditional internal combustion engine cars, if you want to off-road, you probably get an automatic, which has a torque converter, which gives you a little bit of, like, slop. You know what mm. I mean? So when you, when, you, when you press the gas, there's a little bit of, like, mm. a moment of slop where you're not – this is instant torque. Mm-hmm. And, and you get this kind of, like, you know, herky-jerky. And I want that – I want kind of like that pillow between me and the accelerator. So I think the mapping is – Designed more for on-road than for off-road. So I mm. want more pedal travel with less But in torque. reality, come on now. How many people are really going to take yeah, this Yeah, you're off-road? absolutely right. Yeah, like two. At best... Me and you. <laughs> at best, the guy who's got a house in Beaver Creek yeah. is going to take this to the trailhead... Exactly. ...to drop the kids off yeah. so they can go cross-country skiing. Yeah. That I is agree. the most off-roading this thing will see. I agree. I agree. But, you know, you could say the same thing about the G-Wagon. <laughs> I would and that's agree. got three locking diffs. No well, one's going to take you know, it off Well, you know, the guy in the Outback that has had a G-Wagon since 1974, yeah, he not, takes his off-road. Dude, not, not that, not the diesel G-Wagon yeah. that they built for the Iranian army. I'm talking about the G63 AMG. I want the, I want the one with the plaid seats. Those are cool. I, yeah. I, here's the thing, okay? So I wanted one of those. I really wanted one of those. I yeah. was like, that was like my dream car. Perfect. Plaid seats, diesel, right? So long range. And then I got to drive one, and it was so slow. It was so slow. Oh, it's slow. a sled, yeah. Oh, my God. I could not I could not live with that car. Well, you know I could not saying, live with it. don't meet your heroes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was just painfully slow. Mm. You know, the torque fell off a cliff after about 2,500. So <laughs> nothing. And then you yeah. shift a second, nothing. Yeah. So literally zero to, you know, merging on the highway like 20 seconds or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. But cool. Way cool. But, yeah. But painfully slow. Yeah. So um, let's get back to the design yeah. of this thing. Uh, yeah, so that, that's problematic. We've got the we've we've discussed this has got the Russian nesting dolls. Yes. Now it looks that, just like a bigger, dare I say it, chubbier version of the EQS. It's I think it's an EQS where someone plugged it into an uh, an air hose. Yeah, I and agree. And it's it's been pumped up a bit too yeah, much. Yeah, or on the oven and Pillsbury Doughboy went poof. Exactly. Yeah. In here's my struggle with that. 
Number, number one, it's a love it or hate it design. That there's nothing like a Camry. It's not offensive. It's not love it or hate it. Like, eh, it's okay. What's that power bulge? Why do they have that? Why do you need it? This I don't quite understand. And, and, and let me ask you another thing, okay? So Tesla basically wrote the Bible on what electric cars should be, right? Door handles that pop in and out. This has been copied now by everybody, right? I think that is the dumbest idea in the world. F fair. I'm, I, I, in the winter, they're a pain in the ass. I don't like them. And but, they break. And they break, and they they freeze. Blah blah blah. But this is this has become a thing, unfortunately, in the auto industry. Uh, the other thing that Tesla did was over-the-air updates, right? Okay, they, they everybody's doing that now. They, they're all doing it. Mm -hmm. Phone is a key. That's coming if it's not there. Most most now manufacturers. But what's the one thing that, like, to most like non-EV people, represents an electric car? I have no idea. The frunk. The frunk. Oh, the frunk has huge miss. Be become synonymous with now. The, their excuse is they've got a huge HEPA filter there. Yeah, that's so their we, excuse. So we opened it. When we had the EQS, I saw that episode. Yeah, there's a little like there's a little flap there that if you take a Phillips, you can unscrew, and then yeah. you have the regular opener, and then it opens up, and there's a huge HEPA filter. But what? And I asked them that. I asked them. I asked the engineers, why did you not put a frunk in? Because this is a thing that electric cars are now synonymous with. And they gave me the same reason the Cadillac gave me in the lyric. And they said what we did was we took uh, the stuff that normally lives in the back of the vehicle, right where mm. the hatchback is mm -hmm. and moved it to the front of the vehicle giving you more space in the back and we thought that was a more practical way of utilizing space than giving you a tiny frunk i would argue That's that is said. that might be the correct answer but it's not the practical answer or the smart answer actually i think you do need a frunk in these vehicles i agree it, i think it's it's kind of like what i was saying about why i like ev cars P put aside the politics put aside the problems we've talked about governments overpromising crap but to me, it's the function of not having to go seek out energy during the day and the fact that I do get more storage in different places. Especially with the trucks, right? We didn't open the fronks on the trucks that we drove back and yeah. opened them for you. They're just brilliant. It's brilliant to have the space now in a pickup truck where you can put like luggage that's not going to yeah. go wet. So back to the design here, which yeah. I think this is part of the discussion. There's a missed opportunity, number one, in packaging. So we've just you've just brought up this whole thing about the no, no frunk. And number two... There needs to be a delineation between an S, an E, and a C. Yeah, and they're all at the so same. So we've already seen yeah. the EQE sedan. Yep. We've already seen that. As a matter of fact, I shot two episodes at your ranch. One was the EQE 500. And you look at an EQS sedan and an EQE sedan, they look the same. It's just one smaller. And the reality is, again, 150 grand. do I want it to look like the guy I was going to spend 80? No. Yeah, I agree. I don't. Yeah. And you're missing the opportunity of how about a different design direction? How about trying to bring in different buyers in the different segments? Because frankly, the kind of person that's going to buy this is going to be older and is not going to be, frankly, the, the kitty set that's going to buy that vehicle. Th that, that's going to be for the upcoming EQE SUV. All right, so uh, here's the other problem, too, with this. Uh, and let's talk about the EQS, not the crossovers, but just the regular EQS. Uh, there, that one also has an AMG version of it. Yes, it but does. But because it's so aerodynamic, the AMG version, to me, looks very similar to the regular version, right? It you does. Just, yeah, most AM, if you look at like a, a typical internal combustion AMG, you, you see spoilers, you see air ducts, you mm. see... Uh, aero stuff right on the vehicle. Uh, with the electric ones, they're almost identical. There's maybe no, there's maybe, no flicks. Yeah, no, no, maybe different no wheels. Flicks. Yeah. And so uh, I, I, here, here, I'm going to give you my idea, and everybody thinks I'm crazy, but this is my idea. 
Do you know um, what uh, uh, what are those um, what are those cages called that people go inside? Shark cage. No, 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 no. With electricity, uh, they're called um, uh, electricity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have a big cage, and then you have you a guy apparently with, are crazy. with a rod, and then there's electricity in the rod, and then the electricity jumps from the rod to this, like, cage, to this round cage where it sparks. It, it kind of does a jump. I have no idea. Oh, God. Well, I'm going to think of it in a second. I'm not one of these guys playing 5D chess like Olo. He <laughs> okay. would know. But you, you should you, call you, him an you, ass. You, have you seen that? Have you seen those? I've seen demonstra- what you're talking about. Those yeah. demonstrations yep. where, where, where the electricity jumps. Yeah. The problem with electric vehicles, and now you got to think like a 10-year-old, right, because this is what people, I think, especially guys, buy cars, right? They buy cars. Like I just saw a Ford Raptor where somebody on the tailgate had taken the Ford Raptor thing off and put a big Tonka on it. I thought it was so cool. Just a okay. Tonka. It yeah. was cool, right? You're playing to your inner child. Kind of like hamster farts. Yeah, like it's hamster farts. same mentality. Uh, yeah. Faraday. Is it a Faraday cage? Faraday cage? No idea. Okay. Anyway, uh, probably not a Faraday cage. It's something else. Anyway, uh, so, so how do you designate... Horsepower in an internal combustion car from the rear. It's it's about exhaust, right? Mm-hmm. The more exhaust or the bigger the exhaust, the, the more power it has. Mm. But with electrification, you lose all that. So how do you signal that this is an AMG versus not an AMG? Or it's a fast electric car versus a non-fast electric car, right? How do you do that? And I thought to myself, it would be really cool if you took like a little see-through box, right? Mm-hmm. And you had that electrical spark that jumped from one part of the, to the other one. And the more power it has, the more it jumps and the more like, you know, like lightning. It looks like a little So lightning. you want like the 1.21 gigawatts? Is that what you're looking for? I want like this little clear box where you accelerate, where all of a sudden you get this visual representation um, of how much power is in the car, where this like... Roman, one, yeah. Roman. I love you. Okay, but you don't but that, like the idea. Nobody a, likes that, my idea. That is a dumb idea. <laughs> All right. That is arguably one of the dumbest well, ideas I've ever well, heard. Well, so, so you know what uh, uh, Dodge did, right? You mean rebadged an Alfa Romeo? No, 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 in terms of doing figuring that out. Oh, with the sound. Yeah, with the sound. So what That they, works. What they did was they took like, like a little uh, uh, sound engineering, yeah. right? But it's not fake. They actually have like and a... And there's the air going through it. It's yeah, pretty yeah, cool. It's a little tube, right? Yeah. But but that's a horseshit too. I mean, it's, okay. it's, it's you know it's not real. Whereas this spark could actually represent how much power okay, is in I'll, the car. Let, okay, let's pause here because okay. I think you bring up a very good point. The question that we're facing as we move to EVs: Do we even need these crazy performance cars? Do you need an AMG version that's of an a EQS? Really good, that's a great question. And I don't have the answer. And I think it's the kind of thing. We're going to have to go down the road a couple of years, maybe ten years, because we don't know. What we don't know is you already, these things, this is 6,200 pounds, this car, and it's still quick. So do you really need the one that goes two seconds? Well, so I can tell you this. I've driven a Model S Plaid, right, which is yeah, stupid. one of the fastest accelerating cars. It's like but it seconds. hurts your face. It does. What happens is it you, do, literally it the fir- hurts you your do it the first time, and you're like, holy cow, that's fun. But by the fifth time, you're like, this is just silly. Yeah. Right? It's not only silly, but it hurts. And it, hurt, and it especially pisses off your coat passenger because yeah. they get slammed back into the car and if you tell them it's coming then they kind of enjoy it it's kind of it's be like driving a roller coaster right mm. the first time is fun but by the fifth time you're like this gets yeah. old so you, you don't really need that much energy or power mm. or speed so then the question becomes how does like ferrari or lamborghini or amg what 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 then is the distinguishing factor because for the longest time it's been just pure horsepower i'm going to take a stab in the dark here all right you ready for this? Yes. And it kind of connects all of our discussions okay. today. I don't think it's speed. I don't think it's the fancy one. I think it's the Hummer example or 
the um, crab walk. You think it's crab no, no, walk? No, no, no. The Hummer example, or it's the Rimats or Rimac, however you right. pronounce that. It's being able to make, and this is just a guess, being able to make these very unique, limited run bodies that are playthings, toys, that are different, that might have different applications in different use cases. That's the benefit of EV. That's where we can go, and we can, like, instead of having to make 10,000 units of a car to pay for the R&D and to pay for the manufacturing, we can make a run of 1,000, like, special, like, four-door 911s. I'll make it up. Or we can make a thousand mini station wagons with wood on the side. Because you've already paid for the R and D of this roller skate, it's not as much money to redo the body. So so here's my take on this, okay? You I don't think, like my idea. No, I like your idea. I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant, but once again, like I said, I think all EVs at the end of the day drive the same. They do. Right? Uh, and so to me the solution is invest now in classic cars. Well, kinda of already doing that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, or or like if you love uh, Hemi Hellcats, get yourself one now. Well, let me ask you another question. And you, you said know, in the previous said you said you shouldn't because of the economy, but well, provided that your 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 finances are in order. If you are out of debt and you have a net worth of a million dollars or more, buy whatever the hell you want. But if you are in debt and you have a challenged income right now that could be susceptible to pe- people being put on the street because of what the Fed does or because of lack of investment in the stock market, now is not the time to invest in anything. you got to put some money aside. I think the thing I'm going to miss the most when it goes electric is turning, um, turning, turning, turning gasoline into noise. I think that yeah, is... I think we're all going to miss that. That is one of the most... Kind of br- like hamster farts. <laughs> it's one of the <laughs> yeah. most... Brilliant things that yeah. internal combustion engines do. Forget about you know moving the car, just so turning it into question to you. wonderful noise. Let me pose an important yes. question to you. I'm I'm probably tipping and giving away too much on age here. Yeah. But there was an old movie with Lee Majors, where he lived the, in a the, time. The, mil, the the what was he? The Million Dollar Man. The, no, no, the well, Bionic he used man. to be the Six Million Dollar Man. The Six Million Dollar Man. That's right. But no, this was a movie. I okay, think it was okay. in the eighties. Right, right. And he lived in what was the 49 states. Okay. So the U.S. was set up, and it was effectively a communist socialist place. Okay. Okay? <laughs> right. And you could no longer have cars. Gas was banned. Basically, you know, this movie's becoming real at this kind, point. Kind of like Demolition Man. Did you ever watch Demolition Man? Kind of like Demolition, Demolition Man, Man, but yeah. much more dark. Okay. Okay? I like that scene where he crashes the police car, and then all the airbags go yeah. off. And yeah. And basically he's So gone. follow me on this. Yeah. All right. So... He lives in this socialist okay, version right. of the states. But California yeah. is the one that's free. They called it Radio Free California. Okay, so California. And it was like, it was normal U.S. People had cars, people okay. were listening to radio, whatever. So he got his station wagon impounded because you couldn't have a car anymore, period. All right. But he had this, he was a race car driver. And he had this race car buried under his garage because he didn't want the police to come take it from him, impound it from him. So he decided he's going to make a run to Radio Free California from the East Coast. i got to watch this movie. It's a great movie. Hold on. I'm going I'm to Google he, it while you're talking. He basically drives a race car, a Can-Am car, across the country. Now, I'll give it away. He makes it to Radio Free California, but they're all the government's trying to keep him from how, getting there. How do you spell this movie? How do you spell this? Is it M-A- Lee Majors. L-E-E-M-A-J-O-R-S. Okay. Lee Majors. He was married to Farrah Fawcett, so he's got yes. that going for Lee him. Lee Majors. Car, I'm just going to go car movie. 
So he makes the run out there, and he gets across by getting the remnant the gas. The last chase. The last chase. Right. That was a great flick. i got to watch it now. No, okay, I watch so it. He, this is my question. All right. Do you think, let's say 2035 happens, do you think we'll wake up in 2045 and the government's banging on your door, let me have that 944 turbo, you can't have it anymore? It's happening in Europe. No, diesels. No, it's actually, they're like already... They're taking your car away? No, no, they're not taking your car away, but they're like... They're starting to mandate, like, how much gas can come out of nozzles, all this stuff that's slowly starting to chip away. Okay, so what I'm asking you is a very specific question. I, no, I think Will the government bang on your door and say, Roman no, Micah, I no, want that no, 944 no, turbo, no, you, no, it's impounded? No, 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 that's not what, no. You I, don't I, think so? No, I think what's going to happen is what happens. I think we should throw that to the audience. See what yeah, you I, think. I think that's a great that's question. That's a good question. Could I tell you what I think is going to happen? Tell me what you right, think. So, I agree. Let's ask, what do you guys think? Let us know in the comments below. But Will the government take your car away from you? Right. Not mandate that you have to buy EV. Will, will they, they actually, come to your door? Come and take your keys. And take and, yeah. your car. All right. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is it's going to be like the horse, right? Where once upon a time the horse was a basic means of transportation, yes. but now it's become a plaything for uh, many people, yes. rich or poor. So I think what'll happen is you'll end up with like racetracks where people go and drive. Uh, they're kind of like you know like like the Goodwood Revival, right? Where you yeah. go and you can drive these classic yeah. cars on racetracks. You may not be able to drive them there, or you'll have to have a special permit to drive them there. But there'll be certain areas, or certain people will have certain properties. Yeah. You know, so they may not take your car, but they may make it almost impossible to drive it on public roads, or so, or it be, or it becomes so impractical to drive it on public roads. And and it's already happening. So you know, I've got we've got a bunch of classic cars, right? Yes, you do. Uh, and so, like, I, I wanted to take a bunch of classic cars to Denver because I wanted to try to drive them. And, and like, the 90s cars we have, those aren't really classic, right? But I drove our, we just bought a Mercedes 250C, and I drove Very it. Very excited. We have to go see that after this. Yeah, we can show up. So I went to go drive that to, um, but it's kind of a pain in the ass. You know, what, what ends up happening with that car is it actually drives really well, but the heater will not turn off. Oh. <laughs> so, so that, you know what I mean? That kind of thing yeah. starts to happen, where, like, the cars become... Uh, not undrivable, but become very difficult to drive because yeah. of, of, of the era thereof, and yeah. because you know all old cars have issues, and yeah. so th that may end up in kind of a natural kind of so entropy way. So I would I would somewhat calling the herd you, of, like, of internal combustion. If I were to look into this in, into my crystal ball, yeah, I, I agree. I think in places like Norway, they may take your car away. Well, uh, this is where I was going with this. Yeah. So I see what the same vision that you see where it moves to an automobile country club. I see that as well. But the asterisk I give you there, it's only in certain municipalities. Like I could see California saying, there's no way you're gonna have thermal club anymore. You can't have private racetracks, that's it. But Texas, I think that'll happen. Yeah, it's like hunting, right? Like Texas has these hunting preserves where you yeah. can go and shoot whatever you wanna shoot. This is why we have a federalist system. Yes. This is the benefit of a federalist yes, system. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You can live in the state that you want Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, I think with that, uh, we'll once again say, let us know in the comments below. Yeah, I think, I think we, we should get them to answer the question. Is the government coming to take your car? And if so, which ones? Not my Hellcat. I don't have a Hellcat, but that's You're going to bury it under your garage, just like Lee Majors did. <laughs> the TRX. <laughs> I actually thought about that when we sold the TRX. Uh, if it was my personal truck, I probably wouldn't have sold it because I, yeah. I want to keep that as, as you know, the, the pinnacle of... And the other thing that yeah. we haven't talked about, which is also a, 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 a kind of, I think, a, a side benefit of electrification is it's making internal combustion engines better, right? Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, so you've got competition now, and so... That's a discussion for yeah. another day because I feel what they're doing, I shouldn't say feel, 
I firmly believe that they are stifling innovation because you look at companies like Volkswagen Group, they're putting a lot of investment into synthetic fuels. Yes. There's a whole other life there. And then there's the efficiency of, okay, we've only got, we've got a lot of, most plug-in hybrids have 30, 40, 50 miles of range. How about we do it at 100 miles of range? What about that? Think about the efficiency there. Yeah, and I know Honda, uh, was it Honda? No, it was Toyota. Toyota actually ran, you can run hydrogen. You said you liked this car in the previous episode, in the GR Corolla. They actually uh, they actually ran hydrogen. That's how they got the 300 horsepower. Yeah, and, and yep. the problem is that hydrogen has so little energy density that yeah. you need, like, you know, you'd have to get rid of the back yeah. seat and have a giant. Exactly. Yeah, but, but, they, just, this, but they ran it in basically the same engine that they run gasoline. This point brings together the two things we've been talking about in these two different episodes. Remember the analogy I gave you about the boat? We're on the dock right now. The boat's way out there. The government says, jump in the water, and we'll bring the boat. That doesn't let, that no one wants to get wet. And if or we, eaten by sharks. Or eaten by sharks, exactly. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen. We're going to get eaten by sharks. <laughs> so if we were to work on some of these alternative technologies, including expanding the life of internal combustion engine, looking at synthetic fuels, or trying to do more with plug-in hybrids, hybrids, or even technologies, you and I don't even know what we're talking about, but something that can buy some time until we actually see the reality of what the government is trying to sell us with green energy. All right. Well, on that, that, we're going to say thanks for watching. And uh, remember, go to uh, alltfl.com. And, of course, don't forget to go to Motoman TV Motoman on TV all the socials, one. right? Yes, Everywhere. Sir. Yeah. Uh, and uh, thank you, Motoman, for taking the time to do these two episodes. I'm Appreciate really grateful. Appreciate you having me. This was super fun. I really it was fun. It. Yeah. All right. Got to do it again. Hamster farts, man. It's, <laughs> all, fart. it's all hamster farts these yeah. days. See you guys next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.